I want us to start off with a little check-in activity, and this applies to those who were with us last week. So if you were with us last week, I just want you to use the chat function or the Q&A function just to tell me, you know, following from last week's uh, first webinar, uh, you know, what, what has become, you know, raised in your awareness about what you need to stop doing. So, you know, we went through a number of things last week. What do you want to stop doing? What do you want to start doing and what do you want to continue to do? So following from last week's session, what's been raised in your awareness about those things that you need to stop doing, what you potentially need to start doing more of, as well as what you need to continue to do. Uh, for those who were not here last week, I think just sit back, relax for a little bit. We'll get you to do activities uh, a little bit later as we move. Okay, so Marco, you're going to assist me. Is there anything coming up on the chat? Anything coming up on the Q&A? Stop, start, continue. What's been raised in your awareness following last week's session? Maybe somebody will say, I'm going to stop, uh, you know, walking into spaces kind of carelessly. Now I want to develop mindfulness as I enter spaces. Uh, somebody else might say, I want to continue, you know, to show up as I've been doing. I didn't have the language for it before, but now I know, you know, that I have this field of energy around me and so i'm going to harness or continue to harness that let's hear from you well all right we've got in the chat session peter who wrote i want to stop ignoring my inner voice i want to start working more mindfully into spaces continue to pay more attention to my audience Thank you so much for that contribution, Peter. And I love this idea of I'm going to stop ignoring my inner voice. And I think this connects to that wonderful piece we discussed last week about listening, colleagues, where we said we're listening to ourselves first and foremost. We're extending that to listening to our audiences, so really developing mindfulness of who's in the audience. And then, of course, the third being really being mindful and aware of the environment that you're in. So those three things that we're listening to. Faith, I see here, says, stop doubting myself and not being aware of who I am. Uh, and we'll get to, you know, when we start to uncover things like, you know, why do we have this self-doubt? Where does that, you know, emanate and all of that? So we'll, we'll get into detail at some point on that. And then start being conscious of who I am and why I am presenting. Absolutely. And we'll build on that today. Continue to enter spaces and be aware of the energy I leave behind. So this is such a critical one, colleagues, uh, this idea that we move into spaces and there's an energy that, that, that follows us. And this is why some people are memorable to you forever. You know, this is also the reason why you could have met somebody and they say, I promise you I met you. And you go, I can't for the life of me remember having met you. Um, and so how do you, you know, really harness this, this, this energy that you bring into spaces? And it is about developing that mindfulness that I am energy first and foremost and being deliberate about the energy you want to bring into spaces, the energy you want to leave behind in spaces. What are those traces of Elazola that you want to leave behind? What are those traces of a Cindy that you want to bring into a space? Uh, Malitzadzi says, stop speaking softly. And we unpack that a little bit. Start taking charge of my energy. Continue engaging with my audience. Absolutely. So colleagues, I leave it there. Uh, those who haven't shared anything, uh, very comfortable that you can then continue to share. 
so this one's a little bit interactive and so Sobako I am going to ask um, that you enable uh, participation to happen if it's not too big of an ask so colleagues you know we have moved in South Africa so I'm speaking to my South African colleagues uh, recently our president announced um, that we had moved I think from level four you know moved a few notches down uh, this meaning that you know some borders would be open and we'd be able to travel so I want you to imagine that your company, you know, have decided that you deserve a break. So you deserve a break. You've been working very hard and you deserve a break. You need to just get away somewhere. And this trip that they want to give you will be funded. So it's an all expenses trip that they're going to give you just so that you can take a well-deserved two-week break. Okay. The question I want to put to you is, in order for this trip to become a reality, what is the first question you must answer? So the money is there. It's all expenses paid. You can travel to a destination somewhere in the world uh, where we are permitted to go. I know that there are complications around where we can go. But what's the first question that we must answer in order for this trip to become a reality? I think for me, the first question I would want to answer for myself is why why would i want to take this trip in the first place yes it's being offered to me but what is my intent with it is it to relax is to explore is to tour is to unwind so i think for me that would be important okay so maybe just really unpacking for yourself you know why i want to go on this trip Mm, I think your company is already positioned to you. Why? So why is because you need a break. You've been working so hard. And so the why has already been answered. After the why is when the trip is taking place. Okay. So your next question would be when, right? So let's imagine that you say, okay, this trip is going to happen uh, in August next year, right? What informs the when? Okay, no, I think uh, I didn't quite understand the, the, the question, but I think from my, I, I figured what you're saying. Uh, probably, if depending on what, where's the, what's the destination, uh, then from there, you need a passport, uh, depending on the destination, the type of clothes you pack. If you're going to an island, you need, you know, shorts and vests and those kind of things. Uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, a lot will depend on where I'm going and obviously the timelines, et cetera, when I'm coming back, those kinds of things. Okay, thank you, Lazola. So we needed you to unmute yourself because, colleagues, that's exactly it. The very first question you've got to ask yourself, right? You've been given this wonderful trip. Every single aspect of making this trip a reality is dependent on where you're going. It's dependent on the destination. And so, uh, you know, we have to ask ourselves, where are we going? What's the destination? Now, if we bring this back to speaking, so we're going to take this analogy, this little travel analogy, and bring it back to speaking and reconnect it to speaking to say that that's the first question you've got to ask yourself every single time you're going to stand up to present. Where am I going? What's the ultimate destination? Because when you have clarity of that, it becomes very easy for you to rope in the people who you want to take on this journey with you, your audience. If you have no sense of where you are going in your presentation, the people listening to your presentation experience the exact same thing. So to Lazola's point, once I know where we're going, once I know what the destination is, what I pack is informed by where I'm going. How I get there, the mode of transport I use is informed by the destination. Who I bring with is informed by my destination. When I go, 
what time of year I choose to go is informed by the destination. So the starting point with our presentations is to say, you know, what's the end destination? Where do we want to go? And so I'm going to use this analogy of a journey just to help us to unpack this. So some of you might be familiar with a book that was written by Simon Sinek. Uh, Simon Sinek is acclaimed in the leadership development space. And he wrote a book that really transformed, you know, how businesses look at themselves. And the title of the book is Start With Why. And really in that book, Simon Sinek explores this concept that people don't buy into, you know, what you do. They buy why you do it. So I have borrowed from this concept uh, where he uses what you're seeing in front of you called the golden circle. So he uses this thing called the golden circle. And he says, for the most part, the compelling why is what causes people to kind of go, I really am interested or vested in your product. And then everything else is unpacked, the how, the what, the when, etc. So if we bring it back to speaking, when we're talking about what the why of speaking is, we're saying you're standing up to speak for predominantly four, four main reasons. Okay. So you're standing up to speak for the purposes of bringing information to your audience. And I'm going to unpack each of these. You're standing up to speak for the sole purpose of kind of inspiring your audiences. You're standing up to entertain your audiences or you're standing up to persuade your audiences. So let's unpack these a little bit um, to better understand. So when we talk about uh, information, really this one is about you, uh, you know, coming to your audiences in an informative speech. And what you're doing is you're bringing information to your audiences. You want your audience to learn about a new subject. You want them to develop a new skill. Um, or you want them to learn more about a subject they already know. That's what you're doing in the informative presentation. So you're bringing new information. You're bringing information about a subject they may not know. It could be you bringing a new skill, um, you know, to their awareness, to their life. Or it is about you building on pre-existing knowledge. And so that's what we do in the informative speech. So... At the end of an informative speech, the questions you typically ask yourself to say, have I achieved the purpose of my presentation would be, you know, have I contributed to existing knowledge that my audience have? Have I equipped my audience with a new skill? Those are the questions you're asking yourself. And if you're able to kind of tick yes, yes, then you know that you have provided information. And so the only thing I'd say we must be mindful of in informative speeches is the tendency to have what we also refer to as information overload. And so here you need to be very clear about the information that you're trying to communicate. You know, don't bring too much information, but all of this we'll get into at a later stage when we look at structuring and how we can structure our presentations. So that's the first one, information. The second is inspiration. And I love the word inspiration because it comes from the Latin uh, word uh, in, in, inspire, inspire, and it really means to kind of breathe deeply. So when you inspire, you're really causing someone to be filled with a sense of enthusiasm. You're really causing somebody to be filled with a sense of confidence as it relates to their goals, to their virtues. Here, you really are, are, are aspiring to somebody's you know, noble virtue, somebody's goals. You're causing someone to, to reach deep inside of themselves and to be moved or touched internally. 
that's what inspiration does. Think about when somebody's really inspired you. It's not an external feeling. It's an internal uh, feeling of enthusiasm, of an innermost confidence. Somebody's reminded you about the things that matter to you. And so that's what inspiration does. Uh, we literally are causing people to look inside of themselves and to be moved by our presentations. A lot of leaders, uh, when we think about people who we look up to as leaders, have this ability to inspire, uh, you know, through their messages. They get you to think about yourself. They get you to do this like inward dive into who you are and the value that you bring. Um, and so that's what inspiration is about. So an inspirational presentation would draw on emotions and sentiment. So you really here are looking at kind of how do I target people's emotions? And this is why we talk about the inspirational presentation, really connecting with people at the level of their, their virtues, their values, the things they stand for, um, you know, the values they espouse in their lives. And so I love this kind of speech. I don't know why, but I particularly love these kind of speeches. Uh, I love inspirational speeches. And, you know, when I think to some of the most inspirational speeches I have heard, they have really stayed with me um, for years after the fact. Um, and so that's what we do in the inspirational speech. I'm going to come to entertain before I come to persuade, because the persuasion is the one I want to unpack in today's session. And then, of course, the third reason is entertainment. Uh, this is also one of my favorites because there's nothing more wonderful, you know, than being entertained in a presentation. And this is really where we're using amusement and humor um, in order to relay a message. So it feels quite obvious, this one. Uh, we're making people fall, you know, off of their seats with laughter. Um, and so that's what's happening here. So, you know, in this one, we're saying that, uh, you know, at the end of the presentation, you might gauge your success by whether people are laughing. People are falling off their seats. They're really having a good time. Um, or throughout the presentation, you know, people have really had a good laugh. Um, it really is for the intent and purpose of, of making sure that people enjoy themselves. It's light. It's about amusement and humor. Now, the thing about humor is that it's powerful because it can make a heavy topic light. Okay? It can make a heavy topic enjoyable. So think about how, you know, uh, you've listened to people who sometimes have to break bad news. And in breaking bad news, we'll use a little bit of humor uh, to be able to do that. And this is because laughter truly is, is cathartic. Laughter is, it's relaxing. And so this becomes powerful in respect of that. You know, even if the purpose of your message isn't to have your audience falling beside themselves, I think for me, I, I love to incorporate this one as much as possible where you have a load of fun um, as, you, as you deliver or share your presentations. And we'll talk about how we can do that as well. And then, of course, the final one that we come to, and this is the one that we're going to be zooming in for the purposes of today's session, is persuasion. Um, and really, I think in a, in a persuasive presentation, you know, we really want to change the attitudes or the behaviors um, of, of our audience. Uh, we really want to convince them to accept or to approve a different point of view. Um, now, in the roles that we occupy, uh, in the corporate space, maybe some of us are running businesses, maybe some of us are still students, whatever role you occupy. The reality is that we spend a significant amount of time doing this thing of persuasion. So I've decided to zoom in on it and to assist us to really become comfortable with this ability to persuade. So I think, I think for me, a starting point in terms of persuasion 
is to ask you to rate yourself. So if you gave yourself a rate, uh, a rating out of five, uh, one being or zero being I'm really terrible at persuasion and five being, you know, I'm a guru. Um, I can, I can sell, I said here, I can sell ice cream to an Eskimo. Um, what, what would you rate yourself for persuasion? And I think let's just populate that onto the chat function. So for persuasion on a scale of zero or one to five, what would you rate yourself and why? Why do you say I give myself a zero for my ability to persuade? Hi. Um, I'd, I'd probably give myself a, a two. Okay. Yeah, and that's because I don't think I'm particularly uh, good at uh, persuasion. And possibly, well, not possibly, I, I just <clears throat> I attribute that to, uh, suppose, not being um, uh, coherent, and, uh, you know, the inability to be, I suppose, uh, what's the word uh, in this presentation um, set up? Uh, yeah, not being, uh, I suppose, confident in, in, in particularly in that uh, I may know the topic, but just the ability to influence is, 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 is a bit uh, shortcoming. Okay. Giving myself a two. Thanks, Lazola. So, so attributing it to, you know, I'm not sure that I'm fully coherent, but also potentially just that confidence. I think that's, that's, that's associated with standing up, not because I don't know. So I know my, I know my subject matter. I'm comfortable with that. But now it's about, you know, the actual um, presentation itself. So uh, confidence a little bit um, and the lack of confidence contributing to me feeling like, am I coherent? Can people hear me? Do people understand what it is that I'm trying to communicate? Um, and so thank you so much for sharing. Cindy, a rating of three, depending on the topic, the more excited, the more persuasive. Absolutely. Energy definitely plays a huge part in reeling people in. This is such an interesting one. So I'll share a very quick story about, and this connects Lazola to what you have shared. So myself and a friend on, on Women's Day took ourselves out to a spa. And, uh, uh, you know, I remember we were waiting, I think, to be assisted. And there was a lady who came to me specifically. Uh, and she said to me, hi, my dear. Um, are you here for the lucky legs? And I thought, oh, that sounds so lovely. I said, I don't know what the lucky legs is, but it sounds so wonderful. I'm sure I'm here for that. Um, and she explained to me what the lucky legs was. And I said, absolutely, I'm here for lucky legs. She then left and another lady came and escorted us to where we were going to get our treatments. And I was introduced to a second lady this time. And she seemed confused. She seemed unsure of herself. She said, I don't know what lucky legs is, and I'm not sure I know how to do this lucky legs thing. And in that instant, just based on how the two ladies had presented themselves, one was very confident, and I got the sense that she knew what she was talking about and knew what she was doing, versus the other who didn't seem to have the same confidence. And immediately I said, I don't know that I can trust. Listen to this word. I don't know that I can trust the other person. And I remember because we were two friends, each of us had a therapist. The one lady said, no, 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 she's good. She knows what she's doing. I said, I'm sure she's good and I'm sure she knows what she's doing. But right now, right here, I'm not sure that I trust that she can then give me the treatment. And so uh, I asked for the initial lady who would come to me to please be found. And that was who was going to give me my treatment. Not because I had guaranteed that anyone was better than the other, but the confidence that she displayed when she came to me initially was enough for me to feel like I could trust her with my lovely lucky legs. 
Um, and so it goes a long way, colleagues. Okay. So I'm seeing all of your scores coming through. The shortfall would be a lack of conviction or facts to back myself. Absolutely. Um, two to three, sometimes four. Not sure why, Dudu. Okay. Thank you, colleagues. And so my hope is that as we go through this thing around how do we become better at persuading, I'm going to take you through something called the four components of persuasion. And my hope is that these can assist you really in a practical way, uh, you know, as you apply them to go back and to one, become aware of how persuasion is constantly at play, but how you can implement these four very easy, simple to do things as you become a little bit better at persuading. And so these are the four components, and I'm going to break these down one by one. We're looking at four things here. We're saying the first is that you have to establish some kind of credibility. So audiences, remember I spoke to you about the lady who was massaging? She came through. She probably has been a therapist for I don't know how long. But when she came and she said to me, you know, are you here for lucky legs? Um, and then I said, what is that? And she was able to explain that. She seemed knowledgeable about what she was talking about. Um, there was a confidence in how she carried herself as she was dressed up in the uniform, etc., etc. Um, there was credibility because she works at an institution that for me I find to be credible. She looked the part. She was neat. She had a badge on with her name, all sorts of things. So a couple of things contributed to me feeling like this was somebody who was credible in my eyes. And I'll break down what credibility actually um, means. Then the second thing is that you've got a frame for common ground. And again, we're going to unpack what this means. The third is you must provide evidence. And of course, the final is connect emotionally. Those are the four things that can assist us to really become a little bit better at this persuasive game. So let's look at the first one. So when we're talking about establishing credibility, and I've made these slides quite, uh, quite word heavy, uh, so just bear with me. But two components are involved, colleagues. Two components in terms of establishing credibility are, in, are involved. The first is competence. And competence here is speaking to what Lazola mentioned earlier where he said, I know my subject matter. I know my story as it relates to the area of the business that I run. I know my story as it relates to, you know, the subject I'm going to speak about here. So do you have a proven track record in that area? Right. How do others perceive your knowledge about the strategy, the product, the change, whatever it is that you're proposing? And so here we're really speaking to, you know, have you developed credibility from a subject matter point of view? Are you competent in the subject that you're then going to, you know, be talking about or persuading people on? The second is confidence and confidence doesn't just speak to kind of, you know, um, what you believe about yourself here specifically we're saying what is your perception? What is the sorry? What is the perception of those who you are trying to convince about you. Let me repeat that. What is the perception of the audience, of the people, of the stakeholders you are trying to convince about yourself? Do people trust that when you say you're going to deliver, you will deliver? Do they have confidence in you to deliver because you're a person of their word? Do those that you're trying to persuade see you as helpful and supportive? All of these things contribute to the confidence that others have in you. And the combination of these two things will assist in terms of building that credibility. 
the competence that you bring and the confidence that others have in you. And of course, the confidence is informed by, you know, previous. So previously, if I said I was going to do something, when I honored that thing, it increases the confidence people have in me to deliver the next time I have to deliver something. Do people see me as someone who's helpful and supportive? And so just spend a few minutes just, you know, responding to these questions. Do you have a proven track record in your area? How do others perceive your knowledge about, you know, the product, about anything you're proposing? Sometimes it's a change. So do people, you know, what is people's perception of that? And do you have a proven track record? There's an opportunity here, colleagues, for you to also go back you know, if you're working for a, you know, for a company to go back to your team and maybe engage with members of your team about this and ask them these questions. You know, am I perceived as somebody who's knowledgeable about the product, who's knowledgeable about this area, who's knowledgeable about our business and what our business stands for? And then, of course, to ask, you know, do, do you trust me to deliver? So, of course, I'm asking you to go to somebody who can give you that honest feedback, but not somebody who's trying to break you apart either. So find somebody who is, you know, reliable, somebody who can give you um, the feedback to assist you to, you know, work on the areas you need to work on. So that's really the bit around establishing credibility. The second one is this concept of framing for common ground. So you will remember that when we spoke about audiences last week, one of the things I said is that we don't stand up to present for ourselves. Otherwise, you could go stand in front of a mirror, look pretty and talk to yourself all day. We're doing, you know, this thing so that we can benefit the people who are in our audience. So if you're looking at the slide, I'm saying here, it answers the question, what's in it for my audience? Are you the kind of person who, when you are crafting your message, you are very deliberate to say, what's the value I am going to bring to the person who is sitting on the other side? What's in it for them? And in order for you to be able to do that, you've really got to study quite closely what matters to the people who are in your audience. And what are the tangible benefits of what you bring? So what's in it for them? That's what we call frame for common ground. So that when I'm sitting listening to your presentation, I have a sense that, you know, Ita Gang has taken me into account. Ita Gang has planned this presentation mindful of those things that, you know, impact Uzoya, that interest Uzoya, um, that affect Uzoya. I want to make things better for that bring value to Uzoya. So what's in it for the members of your audience? Spend about, you know, 30 seconds thinking through, are you somebody who when you're putting together your presentations who really is considerate of what's in it for the people who are sitting in my audience who says that I am clear about the value that I bring as it relates to them I've done a little bit of work and research to better understand who they are what their interests are what you know what makes them stay up at night what problem am I solving for the people who are in my audience I think that's the fundamental that we're speaking to here and then, of course, here I say, you know, you've got to provide evidence. You know, you've got to back up your claims. And, of course, you can do this in multiple ways. So very interesting ways that we can do this. Uh, you know, it can be through presentations like this. It can be through surveys. It can be through questionnaires. Anything to bolster your argument. So if you want to win people over to your side or convince them to see things in a different way, what's the evidence that can assist to move them closer and closer to the side that you're trying to bring them to? 
Okay, so provide substantive material to back up your claims. Here I'm thinking about, uh, you know, when my husband was trying to convince the girls that our family must be pirates and not chiefs, and I'm a chiefs fan. Um, and so he had substantive uh, material to back up his claims to convince the girls to become amapagashushu. Um, and the little uh, five-year-old, was, was, uh, she was in two minds because she kept looking at me, poor thing, uh, you know, to say, Mommy, I, I feel guilty for, for leaving you, but I think I'm joining Daddy's team. Uh, so I've got two girls who are buccaneers. Um, but anyway, here we are. And it's because my husband was able to provide um, evidence to say this is who, you know, this team is. This is what they've achieved. These are the things they have done. Um, let me show you pictures of who this team is. These are the trophies that they have won. It's a team of winners. Um, and so the girls were absolutely um, enthralled and decided that they were switching to, to be on their father's side. So I'm saying, colleagues here, that, you know, there's multiple ways to do this. I think typically uh, when we're presenting in corporate, there's a tendency for us to think that it's just the numbers alone um, that can do this for us. There's an opportunity here where we're saying, how do you bring a combination of the numbers um, alongside moving stories? You can share a video. Um, you can share statistics. But you can also share um, some of the more emotive uh, you know, uh, ways to back up some of these claims that you have. So think creatively and a little bit out of the box there as well about ways in which you can really provide evidence to back up this claim that you're putting forward uh, as you try to move people from one way of seeing things to another way. And so here I just want you to think for yourself about some of the ways in which you can, uh, you know, provide evidence in interesting ways. Sometimes it's about giving people something tactical, something they can hold, something they can feel. Um, I've seen other people use trailers of movies in very serious presentations. They start off with a clip from a movie that really gets people emotionally invested first. Um, think about ads, award-winning adverts, um, and how they're often drawing on sentiment and emotion um, you know, to bring you a particular product. Okay, and then of course we're saying the final one is this ability to connect emotionally. And it really answers the question, you know, what's in it for me? Not the audience. I'm now talking about you, the presenter. So when you stand up to share your presentation, whilst the audience is critical and we're framing for common ground and really centering their needs, why are you presenting this in the first place? Why does it matter that you convince the audience to move from one way of seeing things to seeing things in, in, in another way? So really kind of dig deep into the reasons why this matters to you. Why does it matter? You know, what's in it for you? Okay, why are you vested in this idea or solution? What's your connection to it? Uh, really unpack that for yourself as well. Because this then assists you to be able to connect emotionally. So uh, there's a wonderful TED Talk I am going to share with you, and I'll share a small snippet now, but I'll share the full uh, TED Talk with you after the session. Sobako will send everybody that. And it's a TED Talk by Jamie Oliver. Um, and he's really, you know, connecting with an American audience, talking to them about food and obesity and the challenges around the kind of food that we're bringing, um, you know, that we're raising our children on. Um, but he connects emotionally with it because he's a father and he says, you know, I'm a father to children and it matters when we think about future generations and what we're creating. So why are you vested in whatever it is that you're bringing forward? If you're selling a product, 
You know, you may have developed a product within your team. If you're selling that product, it isn't sufficient for you to simply state the benefits for me. I also want to know why you care about this product. And this is why I always say, you know, when we're talking about sales, uh, there's nothing more powerful than a person who knows what their product is. Know your product. Invest time in understanding the product that you're bringing to people. You know, have a very clear sense of what matters to you. Why does this product, why does this idea, why does the solution that the team is bringing to an exco matter? Okay? Why does this idea that we're selling to a bunch of potential investors matter to me? Yes, it's about the value add for them, but why does it matter to me? Why should they invest because of my connection to it as well? So really being clear about, you know, uh, showcasing what that connection, uh, you know, that, ex that exists uh, for you is. So just a recap of those four things. We've said you want to establish credibility made up of that competence and confidence. And you can go and do a little bit of an audit speaking to people who you work with, speaking even to people who are close to you, close friends. What is your sense of kind of my, you know, my competence? Do you hear me speak about uh, you know, the area that I'm, 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 I'm working in or vested in. Um, do you get a sense that I know what I'm talking about? Um, and then, of course, am I somebody who, who, you know, who gives you confidence that I will deliver when I say I will deliver? Then I say frame for common ground. Then we go to uh, provide that evidence that's going to back up your claims and ultimately to say we connect emotionally. Sadly, in the next 18 minutes when I do our chat, four Americans that are alive will be dead through the food that they eat. My name's Jamie Oliver. I'm 34 years old. I'm from Essex in England. And uh, for the last seven years, I've worked fairly tirelessly to uh, save lives in my own way. I'm not a doctor. I'm a chef, I don't have expensive equipment or medicine, I use information, education. I profoundly believe that the power of food has a primal place in our homes that binds us to the best bits of life. We have an awful, awful reality right now. America. You're at the top of your game. This is one of the most unhealthy countries in the world. Can I please just see a raise of hands for... How many of you had, have children in this room today? Please put your hands up. Aunties, uncles, you can continue. Put your hands up. Aunties and uncles as well? Most of you. Okay. We, the adults of the last four generations, have blessed our children with the destiny of a shorter lifespan than their own parents. Your child will live a life 10 years younger than you because of the landscape of food that we've built around them. Two-thirds of this room today in America are statistically overweight or obese. You lot, you're all right, but we'll get you eventually, don't worry. <laughs> right? The statistics of bad health are clear, very clear. We spend our lives being paranoid about death, murder, homicide, you name it. It's on the front page of every paper, CNN. Look at homicide at the bottom, for God's sake. 
right? Every single one of those ones in the red is a diet-related disease. Any doctor, any specialist will tell you that. Fact. Diet-related disease is the biggest killer in the United States right now, here today. Just in that opening two, you know, almost three minutes, uh, what were some of the things that already gave you a sense? Um, you know, think about these four components of persuasion. Just name a couple of things that come up for you in terms of those elements we've just discussed as they relate to this talk. Okay, so immediately builds credibility, Peter, by sharing his professional background. Absolutely. And I mean, he's a world-renowned chef. So Jamie Oliver says, this is what I do, blah, 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 blah. And then shares his professional background spot on. Okay, uses stats to provide evidence. Absolutely. And, and, and he very interestingly says, these are facts. These are not things I've thumbsucked. These are facts. You can go and research this yourselves. Deborah says he's informative, absolutely, from the get-go. He's just really giving out the information. And then, of course, he brought the matter close to home when he spoke about your child. He said, who here in the audience has children? The hands went up. And then he said, aunts and uncles, already starting to build that emotional connection. So in the first almost three minutes of this, colleagues, he's already ticking the boxes in terms of these things that can assist us to really uh, improve on our ability to become better persuaders. So think about ways in which you can incorporate this into your presentations. Your audiences might not be you know, understanding, but why is this person so, why am I connecting to Lizzie? And it's because Lizzie has incorporated you know, these elements into her presentations. Okay. Uh, so we'll share this TED Talk, and I think the idea here is watch the entire TED Talk and really for yourself kind of go, you know, how does Jamie Oliver incorporate the four elements of persuasion into this and how can it assist you to become a little bit more mindful as you structure say or as you do the same in your presentations? So as I prepare just to wrap up the section around, you know, starting with why, I think for me what's critical here is to say, you know, is it possible, because this is a question I often get from people, is it possible for my presentation to have two purposes? In other words, is it possible for me to have information and humor in the same message? And the short answer is absolutely yes, it is possible for you to have a very funny, informative message or to have a very informative, um, you know, funny message. But we can never have two purposes, never, never know. And if we go back to that travel analogy, the question I want to put to you is, is it possible to be in two places or two destinations at the same time? Okay, and the question is, it's, I mean, the answer is it's not possible. And so let's imagine that your destination was, uh, let's think, I don't know, somebody went to Mozambique recently. So you're going to Mozambique and uh, you're going to one of the islands there, Tofu Island in Mozambique. You know, you can't be in Tofu Island in Mozambique and Johannesburg, South Africa at the same time. Or you can't be in Nelspreit, um in South Africa um, at the same time as you are in Mozambique, Maputo. And so we've got to be clear about what that end destination is, but mindful that along the way, I will pass Nelspreit. I will pass Maputo to get to Tofu Island in Mozambique. And so it's possible to have a influential or a persuasive presentation rather that is going to have 
funny bits or inspirational bits. See those as stops on the journey. But at the end of it, you want to say this was about persuasion. And I want to be certain that the audience has been moved in terms of their thinking. They're in now espousing a different perspective. They've been shifted in terms of how they see this particular issue. So we can't have two purposes in a presentation. Aim for one purpose, one destination, but mindful that along the way, you're definitely going to be encountering, you know, other destinations as well. That's just en route. And colleagues, this has nothing to do with the audience. This has to do with you as you sit and as you decide what it is that you want to be your end point. What do I want to have achieved by the end of my presentation? It is critically important. Because when we don't address this, when we don't get to this, um, our audiences are left feeling like, what was the point of that? Where were we going? I felt lost in that presentation. What was happening? And so, you know, today's presentation, I was clear that it is about bringing information to you and specifically information around how you can become a little bit more persuasive as a speaker and as a leader. And so if I ask you the question as you reflect on the session, did we bring new information to you? And the question would be possibly, did we add to information that already exists? Absolutely. Was there some kind of skill? You know, are you going to become better skilled in the art of persuasion? I certainly hope so if you apply the principles that we've spoken to. So really, uh, you know, saying to you that it's important for us to learn how to, one, be clear about the destination that we're going to because our audiences will follow us when we're clear about where we want to go. Assisting with that coherence you spoke about, Lazola. When you know where you are going, I can promise you that your audiences will follow you a little bit easier than if you are all over the place and you feel like you are incoherent. When you have that experience as a speaker, as a presenter, your audiences are also trying to make sense of what it is that you're communicating. So it registers as incoherence for them too. And then, of course, the second being, how do we zoom in on persuasion to become a little bit better at persuasion? This is what we're doing most of the time. We're constantly, you know, trying to get people to buy into our ideas. We're coming up with products that we want people to purchase or to, you know, that, that we want people to invest in. So how do we become a little bit more persuasive? Colleagues, um, as we wrap it up, I am going to ask, uh, you know, for us to end off in the same way that we started with that stop, start, continue. Um, just, you know, thinking through some of what we've discussed, what are some of the things that you want to stop, start, continue um, as it relates to this idea of crafting more purposeful presentations, as it relates to this concept of becoming a little bit more persuasive um, in your daily dealings? Faith, hi Zoya, will the recordings and slides be shared with us? Yes, we can do that for you. Sobako? Uh, are we able to do that? Maybe just respond on the chat. I think we absolutely can, uh, Faith. Yes. Yes, we can. Okay. Simple analogy, Lazola, really, of that trip, which is really about planning. What's my destination? And then working from there to say, what are the things I need in order for this to be a successful trip? So really go back to that simple analogy. Absolutely. Okay, so Duduzile says, I don't want to serve too many purposes, 100%, because then we're all over the place. We want to make them laugh and cry at the same time. We want to make them think deeply about things. We also want to ensure that they're persuaded as well. Be clear about what the intention is. What is the why for you standing up to present in the first place? And then zero in on what my destination is. 
um, as I strive for clarity. Absolutely. <laughs> it again says, stop explaining too much. <laughs> so, so Peter, I share this one with you, right? Because sometimes we have so much information that we'd love to share. And I think part of what has been a learning for me as well is to say, you know, that people process things um, in a particular way. When we share too much information, colleagues, and this is what's happening currently across the globe, we are giving too much information to people in the hope that people will remember most of it. And I've realized that there is power in whittling down to kind of what's the most important thing? What's the thing I want to, 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 you know, to share with my audience so that they remember it? They retain that information. There's power in really whittling down to what is that thing? Uh, I'm guilty of it as well. I want to share everything. You'll see I had so many more slides because I thought I want to share as much as I can. Um, and so, we're, we, you know, I, I'm guilty of that as well. I should go to Peter said... Um, because when we share too much, colleagues, it's confusing for all of us. <laughs> okay, and then building awareness of that emotional connection as you share information. Deboho, uh, you said stop. Faith, adding more purposes. Be clear of my intent, absolutely. And then connecting emotionally with our audiences. Okay, colleagues, I am going to thank you for those who've contributed. Uh, Deboho, you can still add your contributions there. Um, so what we're going to do in terms of next week's session is I actually still need to build on this a little bit because part of what I'd hoped to also cover here is how this contributes then to kind of being the kind of leaders who can influence without authority. Um, and there's just, you know, a couple of ideas I wanted to share around that concept. They link very closely to this idea of persuasion, but I'm mindful that it might register as information overload if I pack it into the session as well. So in terms of how we'll start next week is we'll continue uh, on the thread of you building your influence as a leader with or without authority, looking at this concept of how in your everyday interactions, you can start to become a little bit more influential. Um, so we'll look at that. And then we're also going to continue along this construct thread. And next week, I want to zoom in on how do you structure presentations that are easy to follow, easy to understand, easy to remember. So typically what we're seeing is that presentations at the moment are loaded. Um, they're full of everything. I have too many purposes. How do we ensure that we can crystallize to what the singular idea is and then whittle down and unpack what the different um, you know, components of that one idea are? And so I'll be introducing you there uh, to a framework that I have used myself but that I continue to share with executives, uh, executive teams, uh, middle management teams, groups of people that really assist them to say, in a presentation, how do I get to the point from the very beginning and then whittle down to what some of the, um, the composite parts um, of my argument are? So we're going to look at those two. Um, and uh, trying to really rein myself in. I won't do storytelling next week. I will do storytelling the week after that. And so Construct has got three components or three sessions rather today, uh, the following week and the week after where we're really going to zoom in um, on these elements. So thank you for your time. Um, and I hope it has been beneficial. We have tried to really zoom in on something that you can take back. I always say when you go back after these sessions, go back and think about how you can start to do the work of application. That's the most important thing. Apply, apply, apply. 
thank you for your time uh, and see you next week. We will have a 4.30 prompt start. That's what I commit to. So we can end at 5.30 prompt uh, next week as well. Uh, enjoy the rest of the evening. Thank you so much, everyone. And we'll see you same time next week. Uh, so Marco will be sending you the presentations uh, that have been covered up until this point for those who have signed up um, you know, for the entire package or if you were present for that particular session, you then will be able to get, to, to get access to it as well. Thank you so much, colleagues. Take care and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.